Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo and Susan Winter for this episode of Fan Mail Friday. If you're new to The Art of Charm podcast, Fan Mail Friday is not a great place to start. Most of our content is more depth and longer format and interview-based, so maybe go back and check out another episode or go check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of things like reading body language and charismatic non verbal communication, the science of attraction, negotiation techniques, networking, influence strategies, persuasion tactics, and everything else that we teach here at The Art of Charm. We'll send all that to your inbox if you text the word CHARMED, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 here in the U.S. or everywhere else. Just go to theartofcharm.com. All right, let's cut to it. This first one's a doozy, Jay. Hello, Jordan. Before I dive in, the Relationship Coach episode with Susan Winter has opened my eyes to defining what I want. Thank you. I'm 24 years old, and the woman in my life is 22. Earlier this year, I started the quest to begin my career after graduating from university. At that point, we had an unplanned pregnancy. At the time, I didn't feel I was able to afford a child. Her family stated that they would not support the child, and my family lives in a different country. So it would have been left to us. Her dreams of travel would have been suspended, and her career start time would have to be delayed. We decided on getting an abortion. At the time of the procedure, I was sure of the fact that I didn't want the child, but after the procedure, I regretted that I had to make her go through that. It is important to note that she agreed to go for it. Weeks later, we started becoming distant and arguing about things we typically never do. Communication in our relationship before that was open and honest, and later on, she had to move to another province. Then she called and said she wanted to travel. She chose to go to the opposite end of the world, in Australia and Southeast Asia. My takeaway from it was she was escaping from the pain. She spent three months partying and drinking. She said it helped her to heal. Despite the fact that I support her ambitions, I felt devastated because in this pain, I had no support. Her parents tried to dismiss the issue with throwing money at it, and I couldn't speak to my support system, which was my family. My friends were all one-minded, and some said, Man, you cannot have that kid. Some even asked me to leave her. To wrap things up, I got involved with an older woman as a distraction but it eventually morphed into something deep on the woman's end. It is important to mention that I got exposed to a different world, a positive one, but I still want my life with my girlfriend. Fast forward to a month ago. My girlfriend returned and I realized I still wanted to be with her. Out of respect for her, I told her what happened because I didn't want to be deceptive. At the time, I decided that it was best to be honest to the woman that I love. Was this a mistake? She didn't take it well. She went and started a physical relationship with a guy in her province. I suspected it, but had no proof, until she told me in a bid to be open as I was. 
These events have forced me to get involved in more social activities than usual, which I think is healthy, like martial arts and volunteering. Right now, we're attempting to bridge things again. My questions are as follows. Number one, what can we do to build back trust and avoid paranoia? It's clear that we're both trying, but is it a futile effort? Number two, how do I help her regain her confidence as she is upset with the fact that I cheated on her with an older woman? I think it's a technicality, but it seems to be an issue for her. A <laughs> technicality. Okay, we'll get to that one. <laughs> Number three, do we focus on becoming friends again and suspending the physical part of our relationship? I say this because I would like to have her in my life regardless of our romantic status. Mm-hmm. Number four, do I ask to meet this guy and she meets the lady from the summer as a way to establish openness? Number five, is it wise to keep the older woman in my life? She has a maturity that I can benefit from on a platonic level, and my girlfriend can do the same with the guy she met. And number six, is it wise to attempt a long-distance relationship at this point? There is a possibility of her getting a job out of town. I would truly appreciate feedback from you. Keep doing what you're doing, Jordan, with your AOC team. Signed, Max. Okay, this is a nuclear disaster area. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, somebody said it. (laughs) There are so many questions here. Of course, there are six, but let's take them one by one, Susan, because I, I have one. They're not even really in the right order, actually. So let's not take them in the order that he gave them, because how do we build back trust and avoid paranoia? It's clear that we're both trying. Is it a futile effort? I kind of want to start from the bottom of this list, if that makes sense. Because I, I, I just feel like he's asking the wrong questions, and there's a lot of little details on each one of these sub-questions. So what do you think about this? What, in what order do you want to attack this? And what do you think about the, the long-distance relationship and, and all this stuff? What, where do we even begin to clean this up, Susan? Jordan, I think you're so on the money. I looked at this, and I imagined one of those buildings that gets blown up. And then two people are trying to gather each little stone and try and place it back together again. So much has happened with this couple. You know, this was a big issue. She had to terminate a pregnancy. They're very young, 22, 24, very, very young. I know, I feel that this guy has an over-responsibility to the whole thing. It was a joint decision. I feel that the behavior on the gal's part to go away for three months and party in a continent as far as she could get away from him to heal is not the way you heal. So this relationship started to fall apart after that. And one of the signs of a good relationship is conflict resolution. They went further apart and neither one stayed in the relationship to work on it. But when she comes back three months later, she wants to be the girlfriend. And uh oh, he found some kind of solace in another woman's arms. It's such a mess. I don't think they would still be working on this if it were not for that incident that happened. I think the young man feels tremendous guilt. And I think he really has to put it in perspective to try and get over all these issues and distance on top of that. It's unworkable. I agree. I don't think it's wise to start any kind of long distance relationship. And I think that that's a really interesting point that I had not thought of. He's feeling an obligation out of guilt. It's it's not just this person is so great. Everything was so great except for this one big, giant, huge, gaping hole. This is I feel bad. So I now have this obligation probably put on in part by her family or his family. There's a lot of other issues going on here that are not just we feel so strongly for one another. I have to have it. It's it's there's external pressure. That's obviously not the recipe for a long term relationship. 
looking at the question, is it wise to keep the older woman in my life? I One comment from me, and this is your area of specialty, which is one reason why I wanted you to have access to this question as well. Is it just me or do younger guys often write about, quote unquote, older women as some kind of accessory because they're so far apart in age? It's not like, well, this isn't a real it's always just it seems like this isn't a real relationship. This is this older person and they're they exist on this other plane than they would put a real significant other. Is that a pattern that you've seen? Um, It can be. I mean, it hasn't been for me, but I think he used the word distraction. Yeah. When his girlfriend was away, he just got involved with this lady as a distraction. The older lady developed feelings. Uh, that's kind of what we do. And now he feels um, in a quandary. But no, you do not keep connection with anybody you were sleeping with if you were trying to get back with a partner. You keep it very clean. And no, you never introduce your mutual lovers to each other. Gee, let's all get together. Okay, we've all slept with each other at some point. Here's that. That's not a good idea either. He's trying way too hard. I think it's guilt. I think he realized how significant this, I think he realized he might want children, not now and maybe not with this gal, but I think it really rocked him and he's feeling so guilty that he's got to try and put these pieces back together any way possible. And he's scrambling. Look at these issues. Every little part that's broken, he's trying desperately to put it back together, including with her self-esteem, which is not his job to do. It's a mess. I'm sorry. Now, you're you're absolutely right. Great focus on guilt as well. That answers the long distance question. That answers the do we become friends again? Do we rekindle the relationship? If it's all based on guilt, which it sounds like it is, the answer is no, 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 and no. And as far as the first and foremost question, which is what can we do to build back trust and avoid paranoia, it really doesn't matter because this is not a real relationship. It's a guilt. It's a the side effect of a guilty feeling. I just, I think his intentions are moral and correct. I think he needs to let this one go satisfied that they both made mistakes. Uh, A gal who was ready to be a mom wouldn't go out and party and drink and dance in a foreign country for three months to heal herself. Neither were ready. It happened. They handled it properly. Now is the time to uncouple and move forward in time. Six months, you want to hang out as friends, maybe, but I I wouldn't keep putting together the, the broken pieces. Perfect. Jason, I think that says it all. Let's move on. Jordan, I really enjoyed the content and timeliness of Susan Winner's appearance on episode 571 discussing the triage post-breakup and devoured her book on Kindle. It struck me since I recently broke up with my girlfriend of nine months after I found out she cheated on me with her ex. This all happened three days after my closest uncle passed away, two days before my birthday, and obviously Christmas was right around the corner. I should win something for that kind of emotional trifecta. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) You win a a hug, definitely, nothing else. My question for Susan et al. is how to deal specifically with infidelity, which is an exceptional kick in the nuts and ego. It happened with my ex-wife, too, and I start to question myself being the common denominator despite being faithful and loving. I tried to reset my mindset and think of each as a gift, but cheating flat out sucks. I appreciate all that you guys do. Keep up the great work. Troy from Minneapolis. Yikes. Yeah, that is quite the emotional trifecta. And you're right, Jason, the kid wins a hug. Troy, sorry <laughs> to hear about all that. It's a great question because it it's not just dealing with the infidelity at the relationship level. It really is a kick in the nuts, a kick in the ego. It's hard to recover from. And 
there's the added there's the added factor here, Susan, that this happened with his ex-wife too. I know. And him being the common denominator. There's something to this, right? Yeah, I, and he's incredibly evolved and he's taking responsibility. You know, we can't dissect this in a couple of paragraphs. I really suggest that he gets into therapy and with somebody who will see him on a continual basis, go over each red flag, where it went wrong, because I think I my feeling is it's partner selection, just partner selection. We don't want guys to think because you're a good guy and you're faithful and you're devoted that you will become a chump and be used. It's something else. So what do we think it is? I mean, when this happens to the same guy, it's not what I want to avoid is, oh, yeah, you're doing something wrong. You're not worthy of love because the readout from the guy's perspective, from Troy's perspective is what's wrong with me? And the answer is probably something that Look, it's a common denominator. You are the common denominator, Troy, but it's probably not some reflection of you other than your picker is broken and you're filtering I, in people yeah, right, who are doing this. I, I think that might. So, again, this is more intuitive, but my my sense is I'm guessing there is the likelihood that Troy is a very organized, clean cut, effective human being. And maybe he's attracted to women who are more spontaneous, easygoing, go with the flow, a little unpredictable, maybe a little wild. Maybe that's his opposite. Maybe it's his picker that is inherently choosing gals who will go off the rails because it's not one, it's two. So I'm guessing he's somehow attracted to something that that person has that he doesn't possess, which creates the attraction, but is also the deal breaker. Right. Do you know what some of those things might be that he might be able to self-identify or is it such a wide berth that it's impossible to, In, to you out? know, for me, with just a few uh, sentences, it's really like throwing a dart at the Manhattan phone book and coming up with one name. I mean, it's <laughs> that's why therapy for this guy, it, I believe it is selection process. I don't subscribe to the philosophy that if you're a good guy, this is the outcome. See, being faithful, being kind doesn't work. Of course, you're going to be cheated on because that's where a lot of guys go. In his mind, he did everything right. I'm a faithful guy. I did everything right. Why did this happen? So that's why I think it has to do with something a therapist can bring out, a behavior, maybe selection. I'm thinking it's that. Perfect. Yeah, it seems like the filter, the picker might be broken. Yeah. But I, I just want to be very clear that, Troy, when we're talking about you being the common denominator, we're focusing on what you can control. And it's not a reflection of your self-worth or your worthiness as a partner. And I think that's where a lot of people mix these signals up and it causes emotional damage in, in areas that really don't need to be to be tweaked or sprained, right? Because it's not something inherently wrong with you other than you've got a lever or a switch in there that's causing people who do this to anyone that they're involved with to do it to you. I agree. I, and I, that's so important to say, Jordan, thank you, because we always want to keep people feeling good and, and strong about being in right order with themselves. We don't want them to think that, that you know, now you're something's wrong with you. You were a good guy and see, you got used. We don't want that. Yeah, so the action steps for Troy, I, I think, are look inside yourself and figure out what you're attracting that is the common denominator in the people that you're seeking out, and where do those same 
types of qualities later on go haywire? Where do you see yourself losing control um, of of the situation here? I don't mean control over the partner or over the relationship entirely, but where do you see things going off the rails? And that will give you the sort of where there's smoke, there's fire type of hint yeah. as to what personality traits you're filtering in that are not working out long term. Perfect. And even a side-by-side comparison of the two gals, maybe they're the same, like version one and version two of the same thing. That's a really good point. We, right. We can only compare, contrast these two people. What do they have in common? Maybe one of those factors that overlaps is the factor yeah. that's not working in the long term. Really, really hard to say because there's too much going on that we can't see. But Troy, right. hopefully that gives you some clues as to where to start sniffing. <laughs> All right, Jason. Hey, Jordan and Susan. My friend Leslie works in NYC and craves attention. She comes into problems when she's in a relationship and ends up flirting with other people just to get that attention slash validation. So she ends up with negative attention from her partner and positive attention from a stranger, and it causes problems. She knows it's going to cause problems, but can't seem to stop herself. Help. Signed, asking for a friend. Yeah, asking for a friend. This is a a problem because... For me, and Susan, let me know what you think here, this is clearly a need that maybe not is necessarily going unmet from her partner, but that she has a bottomless bucket requirement for, so she tries yeah. to get it from other people, and of course that's causing problems in the relationship. So it's it's not just her behavior, it's the fact that she craves this attention in the first place that needs to be addressed. That's perfect, and and she knows that she's doing this and she can't stop. So it's almost like an addiction. It's uh, it's why, what I call the safety game. You know, it's it's cruel. It's like having a dog on a leash and showing him a piece of meat. He can't get it. If she likes to flirt and seduce these guys for their attention, but they can't get near her because she's in a relationship. So she gets to feel taunting. She gets to feel in control. But where she's not in control is real life. She can't go back to her guy and be that sexy, flirtatious woman where she should be, because that's too real. Ah, interesting. Right. So there's some sort of, it's almost a defense mechanism. It's like, I don't want to be vulnerable and intimate with you, so I'm going to go play vulnerability, intimate, relationshipy charades with some random person exactly. to get that need fulfilled. Wow. So how do we start to attack that? I mean, where now that we've identified what might be the problem, what can what can Leslie's... What can Leslie do or what can Leslie's friend tell her that she needs to do in order to start figuring out why this, because this is going to cause problems forever until it's addressed, period. Well, it's kind of funny. You've got the real thing at home, but you're applying all your effort on the outside. So it's a vulnerability issue for her, but it seems just, I mean, if she knows it, she likes it. So something in the game is turning her on. And I think it's a little bit more complicated than just saying, I'm not going to do it anymore. I think she's got to really get off the game board and be more honest and real with her guy that she's got at home. And that scares her. The others are like backup. You know, oh, I can always feel good about myself when I go outside and I see these guys all want me. I don't know. It's a lot of insecurity, Jordan. It's it's a lot to deal with. I hope that just realizing it, she can just stop playing the game and just stand in one place and be real because that's what she needs to do. Right. It seems like this is going to cut off the even the option of having a real intimate, close relationship with somebody until she gets a handle on it. Because if you keep this is essentially building a wall and backing off as soon as you get to a certain level of vulnerability and it's always going to repeat itself. It's always going to sabotage where you are until you address it and get it handled. 
Okay, good point. I have a negotiation for her. Whatever flirtation she does on the outside that day, she's got to mirror it and do the same thing to her guy. So whatever she puts out in the outer world must be done within a 24-hour period to her guy at home. We won't start by taking it away. We'll start by doubling it. Ah, interesting. That's a really good idea. It's hard to break a habit from from scratch, right, and, and not yeah. do anything like that because then the need goes unmet. So yeah. if we if we double the need, the the fulfillment of the order, so to speak, yeah. then eventually she can start to shift it from random strangers at the clothing store to the person that she's with after she finds out that she doesn't get bitten when yeah. she does it. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I love it. Thank you. Good. I think that's good. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data. And a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. All right, let's hear from Linda. Hi, Jordan. I finished listening to your latest podcast with Susan Winter today. She mentioned near the beginning something about how we should have relationship exit strategies, but then you guys never got back around to the topic. Oops. I, <laughs> I did a quick look in the podcast notes, the table of contents of her latest book, her website, Google search, and could find nothing on the topic except a YouTube clip on ghosting. I, I, you know, that's some tenacity right there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tantalizing your listeners with something as fascinating as a relationship exit strategy and then pulling it away was not nice. Please invite her back to unpack that relationship exit strategy idea. Thank you, Linda. Well, sorry, I did a I did something that was not nice, but I'm not known for being nice. So so there's that <laughs> in my defense. But yeah, let's unpack this, Susan, because it seems like, yeah, she's probably right. We said something about great relationship exit strategies and then talked about it for 12 seconds and then got distracted by a squirrel. And here we are. Yeah, we went over the seven steps of how you get yourself out of heartbreak. So that's when uh, an exit has been created, and maybe you didn't want it. But an exit strategy is more of a concept that if we are willing to take as much time and attention to prepare ourselves for how we want to enter love, the kind of person we want, even what clothes we're going to wear, we should apply the same amount on the backside to prepare ourselves with a protocol in case there is an ending. Now, we don't have to go over what we did before because those were seven steps, but um, there are times that we find it very difficult to walk away and keep moving forward, that somehow we're in a relationship, we know it's bad, either we need to break up with them, it's just not right. And when you come to that point and you've tried everything and it's not workable, you need to have an exit strategy. So if we don't move easily, the reason is that there is something connecting us to that partner. So I figured out two steps that I think will help people. The first question is that you isolate the factors that keep you hooked to your mate. Now, that seems obvious. Somebody would say, oh, you know, um, she's such a great girl. We get along well. We have the same friends. I love her family. That's not the level I'm talking about. The actual level that's keeping you hooked is the bedrock underneath that. And Jordan, it is the weakest, most pathetic, ugly comments you are ever going to hear yourself say. Underneath what's really hooking you is like that scared child. And the phrases that you would have come out of you would be something like, I'm afraid to be alone. Everybody has somebody. I need to have him, her. You know, um, everybody I know is married. I don't want to die alone. I'm unlovable. I'm, I'm broken. You know, who would ever want me if this person, if we separate because of, and fill in the blank, blanks, you know, right. I'm too old, I'm whatever. So there is that thing that makes us not able to leave. 
we will never know how to exit if we're hooked. That's a really good point because a lot of, I can't even count how many times I've heard people in real life and in my inbox here say, well, you know, it's not perfect, but I don't think I'm going to find somebody better, or I don't think I'm going to find somebody who suits all my needs in this area. So dot, 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 which is different than, well, she's not perfect, but nobody is, and we love our relationship. It's all—it's always couched in, well, I'm not necessarily going to be able to get somebody else, or what if I don't find somebody else, or what if it takes years, I'm not ready for that. It's always about them. It's very rarely about the other person. Yeah. And see, so that's a limiting belief. And that is what hooks us. Exiting would be easy. I mean, if it was like anything else, you try in a pair of clothes, you don't like them. Sorry, I'm not taking it. They're back in the dressing room. Not a problem. Love. It gets very complicated because we have these fears. And um, you'll know when you've hit the real core of it, because it will be a phrase that you can't even believe you're saying, but I'm confident and I'm successful. And suddenly you're going to hear this phrase like, I'm terrified of being alone forever. So when you find that, the second part, which is the cure for that, is actually now that you see it as an adult, it is so ridiculous. And you know it is. got to find that little phrase. Then you reframe with a new vision of your life without that person. So it's basically taking the argument that was limited and false and turning it around to its positive opposite equivalent. So it could be, well, everybody's alone at some time. Alone doesn't mean lonely. Why would I think this is the only person in the world who can love me? And then you've got to reprogram your life with a positive vision of your future and positive self-talk to have a life that's valuable without this person. Yeah, I like this, This because this involves reprogramming, right? This involves reprogramming your belief systems in a way that's quite manual. And of course, the only way to do that is to figure out where the faulty programming lies. You can't just look in the mirror and go, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you have to find where you're really, where you actually feel like you're weak. And you can't do that if you're busy holding up a mask that even, so, so thick that even you can't see where the holes are. So we've got to find what we really think about this subject, what we really think about ourselves, and then we can start reprogramming those beliefs one by one. I love it. Hopefully that works out for you, Linda. Thank you for being a fan. And thanks for pointing out that we forgot to do that last time. And thank you for giving us an excuse to get Susan Winter back on the show. All right, Jason, let's hear from Rodney. Hi, Jordan. My wife is about three years older than I am. I've noticed women tend to sexually mature faster than men in most cases. These two things have led to a relationship in which my wife has had considerably more sexual partners and experience than I've had. I've had plenty of sex, but I just had less of a promiscuous mindset, and I was 24 when we married. She was 27. And just to give you an idea, this is a woman who spent a lot of time in Vegas, Cabo, Havasu, and plenty of other places known to be hookup spots, and there are other details not worth getting into. Whenever she brings up any indication of her past, the situation makes me feel jealous, angry, and also like I want to go off and get more sexual experience as well. The problem is that we're married and have two kids, with another one on the way, and it seems like such a petty issue to even sometimes think about. Breaking up a family situation with something like this seems so much less important, and yet feelings are what they are. Would love your perspective on the situation. Thanks, Rodney. 
So this is interesting, and I, I think it's not just that women tend to sexually mature faster, which is, is true. It's that guys want to have sex with them more than women want to have sex with you at whatever age we're talking about generally, right, all the way up and until kind of forever. So unfortunately for a lot of us. But what I'm seeing in this question that I want to highlight before I hand this over to you, Susan, is that he's kind of judgy. I had less of a promiscuous mindset instead of, <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't be saying that if, he was yeah. the one with more sexual experience. He would say, you know, well, I was growing up and I was 24 when we were married. She was 27. There's another layer of insecurity that is, I think, triggering the judgment. And then just to give you an idea, this is a woman who spent a lot of time in Vegas, Cabo, Havasu and plenty of other hookup spots. It's like, if that were you, man, you would be justifying this left and right. But since it's your wife and you're judgmental about it and you're insecure about it, now it's a bad thing. And I think that highlights and underlies the root of the whole problem that he's got with this. It's I, I love working with you, Jordan. You Sometimes we're on the same angle. Sometimes you hit a point I never even thought about. You know, what I I hear is a lot of pain and insecurity I would suggest he reframe this entire perspective. He is glamorizing her years of being single. And by the way, I have had this conversation with men before. Don't think it was a picnic. I mean, she wasn't probably, oh, another orgy tonight. I can't wait. Chances are, you know, guys have to understand that sex is the price of admission to a relationship. We don't know that that was her desire. We don't know that she had random promiscuous hookups. I think if she's a woman, she probably wanted one guy and one relationship. And now she found you, not just two, a third kid on the way. Be glad that your wife got that out of her system so that she knows a good man when she finds him and relax that she may have higher numbers than you. It's not important. Yeah, I think it's hard for guys to get over this stuff initially. I mean, every I'll tell you right now, and I think I even talked with you about this years ago. When I, whenever I start dating somebody, I'm always there's a phase, and this isn't just me; as a lot of guys, I assume, there's always a phase at which you just don't want to hear about their past. You don't want to get into it because you have this person. You're in the honeymoon phase. You don't want to think about this person getting, you know, railed by yeah. some other dude. It's like the worst feeling ever, especially if you've got distance between you or you're fighting about something or you don't want your fairy tale to be ruined in the beginning. It's totally understandable. But what you can't do is then go, oh, she's been with other guys. What a horror. When you would have done the same thing, <laughs> when everybody else has done the same thing, it's hard not to, but you've got to realize this is your biology playing tricks on you. It's your mind playing tricks on you. And everybody's got a past. It's not really any of your business. Frankly, the fact that she's told him about this signals a level of trust and intimacy in the relationship that he should be happy with and proud of and not something that he's going to want to punish her for. Because I'll tell you this, Rodney, if you punish her, if you punish her for being open about her past, she will learn to not do that again. And then you've just hammered a hatch shut inside your relationship with your wife. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, you know, he should actually feel like quite the man, younger guy, caught this wild horse. And, you know, she's had a life and she chose him. She chose him and baby after baby. She's there. I, I have always thought, you know, I don't want to catch a guy before he's gotten it out of his system. I want it after he's gone through whatever he needed to go through to sort himself out. Nobody likes, nobody doesn't like. I don't want him on the way to discover that. That's not a safe time to have a relationship. And we don't know. And I still think he is glamorizing 
all this. I think he's, you know, that's comparison, right? I mean, we take one frail part of ourself, so we imagine and, and contrast it to the best of this. I think he's imagining luxurious nights and, you know, Casanovas, and it was probably a lot less exciting than that. And so I think he's glamorizing it. He's blowing it out of proportion. And I'm, I'm with you on that. That was such a brilliant uh, comment about, you know, honesty is that thing that is so rare and it will keep a relationship alive. And if you start to dislike or harbor resentment for your mate because they told you the truth, you, as you said, you're hammering that door shut. That's, that's the death knell of a relationship. Yeah. yeah. Relationships and honesty in general in any relationship, friendship, marriage, or otherwise takes years and years to build. And it takes maybe one experience like this to show somebody it's like touching a stove. Right. If, if she gets punished for this openness, it's going to be a long time before you can build openness in other areas and not just this area in other areas. You don't even want this to be a concern. Oh, should I share this with Rodney? Well, he kind of overreacted that other way and that ruined yeah. the whole vacation. You know, I'll just keep it to myself. You don't want that to become the default. You want that to become you want that never to happen in theory inside a relationship. Good. Good, Jordan. I love what you said. Perfect. Perfect. Last but not least, Jason, take it away. I recently listened to both parts of your interview from 2013 with Susan Winter. Killer episodes, by the way. A lot of it was setting boundaries before things got serious. I'm newly married and have been with her since 2010. However, I didn't know anything about setting boundaries until about a month ago, and I'm worried that it's too late since she's already established much of quote-unquote what is and quote-unquote what isn't in our home. Just to give context, we moved in together when we got married. She abstains from drinking, which is cool, and I respect that, as there have been alcohol abuse issues on both sides of our families, but doesn't quote-unquote allow me to have alcohol in the home and would probably become instantly furious if I brought some home to enjoy after a long day. She also decided not to take my last name, which I find very disheartening. I made this clear to her, but she has made up her mind. There are some other control issues, but these two always stick out as sore points for me. I love her dearly, and not having alcohol in the home is not enough to end the relationship, but I'm fearful of her continuing to issue mandates without my consent. Any suggestions for resources I could look into about setting boundaries after you've been in a relationship for a good chunk of time? Signed, Cliff. The one thing that I see here that's kind of a running theme, and again, I'll I'll just say this before I hand it off to you, Susan. Well, one, it seems like we've known each other for at least three plus to four years if he listened to that episode in 2013, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. didn't even think about that. Uh, the fact that she decided not to take his last name, eh, that could be anything, but when combined with she abstains from drinking, gets furious, if I drink, won't let me bring it home, there's either a couple of discrete issues here, one of which has to do with strong feelings about alcohol as a substance, as a drug, or there's just a control issue happening here. It's hard to say without more evidence, but he even says there are some other control issues. So clearly that's what he's thinking this is. One thing before you jump in, I want to point out that he said probably become furious, which means yeah, he hasn't done it, but he's scared of her. Right. Well, he's probably got a reason to worry about mm -hmm. that kind of thing, especially given that he says there's other control issues here. So that's just something I thought I, I even thought of control issues before he mentioned control issues, because it just seems like a little bit too much. It would be different if you're both recovering alcoholics and you bring booze home. I get it. You're both in treatment for something. She can't enable you. It's going to be a problem. But if this isn't something that's acknowledged between you two and you want to have a beer after work, but you think she's going to fly off the handle, there might be something else going on here. 
Good point. You know, I didn't know if she was in recovery or not. So I kind of took a different angle on this. Um, Definitely the guy can start establishing boundaries now. He may not want to go for the big two. They seem to be locked for now. I would make small incremental wins on other areas. Uh, I would ask if there's a vacation and he wants to go to the beach, but she wants to go snowboarding. Does she always win? Because now you can use these two, the last name that she wouldn't take, and the no alcohol is leverage. So anytime you want to do something and she's not letting you and she's going to have it be her way, I'd say, honey, I allowed you to not take my last name. And that really hurt me. And I don't even drink. Those are huge. I think I get a vacation on the beach. So use it to your advantage. Um, But I do think it is indicative of it's kind of funny. It just seems like she proactively makes choices. And Jordan, we talked about this just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she knows how a relationship goes. You know, he's got rights here, too. So start with small issues and do not give. I think that's wise. I think it makes sense because the deeper question here is really, is it too late to set boundaries? Is it too late to make his own way be known or his desires be known inside the relationship? And the answer is, it's probably later than you would want, but definitely not too late and waiting to till, till it gets really bad and you, you know, someone leaves the cap off the toothpaste and you end up trying to stab each other, then <laughs> then it becomes a bigger issue, right? So yes, set those boundaries now. It's got to be done in a reasonable, rational way. And I I wonder how this is going to turn out because she didn't take his last name, but did did he stick up for himself? Did he even communicate that that was going to be hurtful to him? Was that even a thing they discussed, or did she just go, yeah, I think I'll keep my last name, and he went, uh, okay, and then secretly inside was just heartbroken. We don't really know their communication habits, but what we do know, Cliff, is that you've got to make your needs known, and you've got to stick up for yourself at a certain level and turn this more into compromise, because it seems like perhaps, and I'm assuming here, he's been giving on everything, and there's really kind of a covert contract where he thinks, eventually I'll get my way on something. Oh, I guess not on this. Well, I gave on this, maybe she'll give on that. Oh, maybe not on that. And he's slowly becoming more and more angry, whereas she might not have any clue that he feels this way. Jordan, that's perfect, and that's great advice. Replay every time you got something taken away from you. And you're right, was it even a discussion? Was it, were you simply told, oh, we're doing this? Because when you replay how that happened, that's where you can learn how to cut it off at the pass. And you can start to interject, and that's where you change your, your conversation, you change your boundaries. The minute she says, oh, we're going uh, camping on Saturday. Wait a minute, uh, let's talk about this. I like the idea, but I'm not sure this is the weekend. And if you have to negotiate for nothing at all, just negotiate to negotiate. Maybe you'll let her win, but show that you have an opinion. And Jordan is absolutely right. If she's hurt your feelings, that's a conversation. And it doesn't matter when you have that. You need to communicate to her. I need to talk to you. You've really hurt my feelings on this. We are in partnership. Don't minimize me. I have an opinion. Let's discuss it together. I think that's really, really uh, the way to do it. Great advice, Susan, as usual. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF100. Wow, 100 of these. We've done 100 episodes 
of Fan Mail Friday. And we've answered plenty of other letters even before that. That's a lot. Of, that's 500 plus. Seems like just yesterday that we started doing this. It does indeed. Also, of course, don't forget the Art of Charm Challenge. Text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 here in the States. Everywhere else, go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We're taking you step-by-step, becoming better at making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your personal social capital and your charisma. And it's for both guys and gals, so check that out. Text the word charmed, C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 in the States. Everywhere else, theartofcharm.com slash challenge. I also do a lot of speaking these days. I spoke at Second Ranger Battalion. I'm speaking at Google. I'm speaking at a couple other companies that I can't mention just yet. But if you're interested in having me come speak to your organization, your company, your school, reach out to me, Jordan, at theartofcharm.com. Quick shout out to Linda E. She's a PhD psychologist and a therapist, and she says she learns more useful and fascinating stuff from The Art of Charm than she did in 20 years of grad school and practice, which is awesome. That made that made the day. I'll tell you that, Linda. And Simon, our Lyft driver in Denver, I got picked up, but me, AJ, and Johnny were in Denver filming some stuff. We got picked up by this guy who said, wait a minute, are you guys the art of charm? When we got in the car, and that was kind of cool. That made our weekend for sure. Gave us a free ride, which is good because my phone had had uh, stopped working and it gotten canceled, and we ended up getting kind of a, a hookup there, which is really cool. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up. I'll shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps that we run every single week here in L.A. If you want to dig deep into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, check out our boot camps, bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.